millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do you still wake up and just write whatever comes into your head? Is that still a part of your daily routine? Some day it, it depends. Um, some days I wake up and just kind of, yeah, just like free write the first few things that come into my head. Other times that like, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with like a, a solid like melody or tune in my head. I'll record that into my phone or like, or it might be a lyric from something that's actually quite shit that's just come into my head. But I like like one line or something like that. But it's like, it's weird, like in my if, I, if it happens when I'm dreaming, I can hear like like a full song, like drums, bass, kick, like it's like everything's there. And then the moment I wake up, I, I forget like 50% of it. And then I'm like, okay, try and work out what, what, was, what I was hearing. Is there a pattern in what half you remember? Or is it just completely random? No, I, if there is, I haven't, picked, I haven't picked up the pattern yet. It normally ends up being like a, like a 10 second line that, that I kind of keep and then or adjust to fit into something else if I am, like when I'm working on a song. Does it, that's interesting. Would it often relate to the song, a song you're working on? Uh, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say they are like specifically, but I can often find ways to put, to make lyrics work by changing one or two words or, yeah. Do you still use Headspace every day as well? N- not as much as I'd like to. Yeah. I, I do every now and then, yeah. But I, I, I used to use it a lot more than I do now. Um, but I need to get back into that routine. The reason I'm, I'm asking about all these daily kind of habits, I got this book today. I've got it here. People can't see this. You can see it. Daily Rituals. Yeah. So it's like a hundred creatives like Picasso, Beethoven, all that kind of jazz. And it looks into their kind of daily routines and the things they would do every day to channel oh, their creativity. sick. <laughs> well, I was wondering, like, what are some of the daily habits or structures that you put in place yourself to allow your creativity to flourish? Is there anything you do? I've discovered walking during lockdown. I went for loads of walks. Um, I don't normally start, like, if, I'm, if I've got a day where I can just write, 
uh, like at home and I'm not like going to the studio and working on like something with someone or uh, if I'm just writing at home, I kind of, I'll wake up, go for a, a long walk. I've fallen back in love with cigarettes and coffee more than ever. <laughs> so I'll have, <laughs> I'll have a few coffees and a few cigarettes. And yeah, I, 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 te- I just go for these long, long walks and always bring my, my notepad and pen comes with me wherever I go. I just, I end up coming back with some, sometimes it's like one or two lines. Sometimes I've filled three pages of stuff. Yeah. It just depends on the day, but I don't, I don't really force anything that I have these periods of time where I'm like, I'll write like 10 tunes in the space of two, three months. And they're like, like kind of pretty much done. And then I'll go through like one or two months where I just haven't written anything, but I don't like try and write anything. I just don't, it's like, I don't want to, or I don't just naturally do it. So yeah, I think I, I, I don't, I don't force anything. I just kind of go for a walk and see what happens. Would you still go for a walk in that one or two months when you're not writing? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, but but probably less so because I, I, I it's not like I'm like okay, I'm gonna go for a walk and write, which is which is the main reason I get up early and go like for, for a big old walk. How far are we talking? Uh, I've been. Do you know what? I've I've been walking around like the whole of Richmond Park during lockdown, which takes about three four hours. And then and then going back home as well. Yeah, so long to, it takes it takes up a big portion of the day, and then I get back and and put these like take these ideas out of the book and try and put them into 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 song. It's almost like pre-production for songwriting. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. And then you kind of you, it's not like everything gets used. So I kind of go every now and then I'll just flick through my book and just kind of go, oh, that's quite cool, or I could play with this idea, or yeah. Is it always like lyrical stuff that you're coming up with or would you ever come up with other ideas just in general, like creative ones? Uh, there's a lot of musical ideas that happen as well. Like, so I, my voice memos on my phone is just like, it's full of me going, like, just utter shit. But that's it. Yeah, I think in terms of creative output, music is the only thing I'm focused on at the moment. So I don't really get any other idea unless it's for a music video, but I haven't really done any kind of mediums in a long, long time. Are you still doing like your clothing curation and stuff or is that all done now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm still, uh, so I'm back there. Uh, now that like, now that the shops are open, I'm still, I still work with, with, with my mate as a, as a buyer, which is quite nice. And like, yeah, choose, choose the clothes for the store for the next eight months and stuff like that. Or like what, it's done like seasonal so we're just about to start buying the spring summer stuff for next year so you do like a year in advance yeah 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 yeah, pretty much um and then i'm just about to start a like a vintage collection um for either for sale or for like because some of the pieces are quite obscure so i'm trying to set up like a vintage collection that, that people can borrow and stuff for shoots and stuff like that. But yeah, there's more, more of that to come, but I'd love to link that up with my, my merch um, and, and provide something that's, that's more sustainable than getting t-shirts made in fucking Indonesia. When you say more obscure, what sort of stuff we're talking? Oh, like for example, I've got the, I've got this um, mad snipers jacket that looks like, it looks like something out of Mad Max. It's got like, almost like rubber tires on the elbows for when like obviously a sniper would be, just be like lying down for eight hours 
yeah so it's like yeah it's mad uh very and then, practical yeah 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 and then and like it does up with like it's like buckles across almost like a straight jacket it's just it's the weirdest looking thing and then i got um there's this massive kind of almost like a tiger print camo that was a it's a russian like, winter liner thing that's pretty cool how do you find this stuff i just find it all online or in like it's either online or in some kind of hotspot vintage shops uh in either brick lane or margate or hastings yeah i just that's that's something i love to do when i've got a bit of free time is like i'll go to a town that's got some decent antique shops and vintage shops with my girlfriend uh kenton market's a good one as well um and you just have th- stuff that people have had for years that are like just the most bizarre pieces of clothing that i think are really cool if you if you could put them in kind of like a, a in a contrast space like you'd never see someone wearing like a, that sniper jacket i mentioned on on the tube like that kind of thing bringing those things to contemporary life is something that, that i think is quite a cool idea just creating that juxtaposition yeah 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 i think that comes through in some of my songs as well i was thinking about this the other day i was like I think over time I've realized that even if the song is like, is a happy feeling too, my lyrics are always <laughs> like negative. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what it is, man. It's a little bit harder to write from a happy place. I think it's so. Yeah. Particularly motivating. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're happy, you never, you, you, you've got nothing to get off your chest. You were saying as well that you'll quite often go to antique shops. Are you just into vintage clothing or do you like other kind of, antiquities and vintage stuff i did i got into taxidermy like, i'm really into taxidermy at one point um and i started doing it myself and then i kind of thought mm. i kind of started saying, a bit norman bates yeah i kind of yeah started <laughs> second guessing it a bit um but yeah that was that was something i was kind of collecting for a while um like i got one of those two-headed duckling things that people were making and stuff like that and then I did. Wait, two-headed duckling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think they're real. I think they're like some taxidermist has just been doing them. I don't know, man. Wait. So they take two ducks that have been taxidermist and they take the head off of one and put it onto the other one to get <sighs> two heads. I think so. I think so. And I'm. I yeah. I'd. I'd like to think it's all been done ethically. I'm sure it has. Who? Who in their like? Nah in their right minds can start killing ducklings out of there i don't think that's gonna happen i'd hope not, not anyway yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah so i kind of i was really i was really into that at one point and now obviously i'm not i wouldn't i don't know i wouldn't say i'm like into antiques but if there's something old and really bizarre i'm gonna want to buy it and keep it for something what are you what are you into at the moment because like every interview i was reading with you you seem to have a different kind of thing every like few months that you're obsessed with it that's really grabbing your attention <laughs> uh yeah that sounds that sounds right i don't know i find <laughs> i get really fixated on on something and just that's all i think about what am i fixated on at the moment i don't know man i think i've just i've been so focused on um getting as much material together as i can for the last like six to eight months that i kind of i haven't really had any time for anything else also we've been in lockdown so i don't think i've really had the opportunity to go out and discover anything i'm just enjoying pubs being open at the moment (laughs) yeah 
it's interesting what you're saying though about lockdown and you haven't had the opportunity to discover stuff so when you get one of these obsessions is it very much just something you would stumble across in the real world and then yeah kind of in the rabbit hole yeah it's not it's normally something like i'd see in a market or in a shop or like have a conversation with someone about i don't really yeah i don't really talk to anyone when i'm at home so i only talk to people when i'm with them really so yeah it's normally like these things stem from a conversation to <laughs> turn into this obsession is that like curiosity and your creativity are they coming from the same place or are they different places maybe i try to use songwriting as as like a form of escapism so i i'm very much of the belief that you know you can you can write about whatever you want to write about and be whatever kind of character you want to be in your song so maybe yeah maybe it's just another kind of escapism thing or moving on to the next thing or being something else or yeah what other traits kind of feel essential to creativity for you other than curiosity i think understanding being able to to understand how how you're feeling at that time i think it's hard to write a song with any kind of meaning if you're not necessarily feeling something if you're not if you're not feeling happy or you're not feeling sad or you're not feeling like i don't know feeling nothing or just like quite content or like then there's nothing you've got nothing to write about you have to be like thinking about something or have something bothering you or have something that's really making you happy and you have to know that and you have to know when you're feeling that way and understand what it is that's making you feel like that i think being in tune with with your emotions is 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 important whether you can change them or not but just recognizing them do you feel like you can change them do you have more control once you get that level of understanding over them i think it's easier to understand how you're feeling and then make it worse like on purpose like people that are sad will listen to sad music Whereas it's normally a friend of theirs that's saying, right, come on, put this song on, let's go. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever, have, like, have you ever been sad and just listened to a really sad album? And made yeah, it, and, stick on Elliot Smith. Yeah, was it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just make yourself feel so much worse. Or you watch a really but sad kinda, film. I don't know, there's kind of a, I kind of like it. Yeah. Like wallowing in it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You deserve it. Everyone deserves it. Like, if you feel like that, just embrace it, good or bad. But, yeah, I think that's I think that's more of a likely outcome is someone working out like recognizing how they feel and exacerbating it rather than recognizing how they feel and and trying to change it or feel the opposite. I also think although you're saying it makes you feel worse maybe doing that, I think in the long run it's probably better because if you just wallow in it and let it pass, if you try and fight it, often it can end up going on longer yeah because you kind of get that frustration and it starts being a tussle yeah 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 i completely agree let it out like people that suppress everything and pick you like keep a, a brave face and and you know never i don't know like never shed a tear and stuff like that they're like that's a ticking time bomb man it's interesting what we were saying there about you know listen to someone else's music as a way of wallowing in emotions I don't like the word wallowing. It's a little bit negative. You know what I mean, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a great word. <laughs> but um, if you're making music when you're in a really deep emotional state, does it kind of amplify it further, whatever you're feeling? In the initial process, yeah. Like in the initial writing process. And then I kind of, I think when I start to focus on production a bit more, I'm more less thinking about the song itself and more kind of what kind of zone... I want it to be in and then once i'm out of that process and i'm happy with this, the tune that's when i'll like get back to that kind of just listening to it and feeling something from it again i'll listen i, I listen to my own music 
like when they're demos all the time. And then the moment I know that it's going to end up on a project or it's like, I'm putting this song out. I never, I will, I never listen to it. I never listen to my music. That's like I've put out. I don't know. I think, I think it's because I'm never a hundred percent happy with like, there's always some, or not that I'm not happy, but it's like, there's always another option that could have been chosen here or there. So it's like, and I'm just so indecisive that I'm like, okay, this is the final version. This is the only one that's out. And that's, so I've done that now. I'll put that to bed. And then I'll listen to like 20 tunes that may never get released. Say by the time you get to listen to it for the 30th time or whatever, a specific demo, mm. do you notice new things or is a point where it kind of levels off? I either get ideas from it and I'm like, okay, I'll change this or, or, or get rid of that or I love this or actually I hate that or I just enjoy listening to it and feeling the tune. Do you remember the moment when you... Do you remember the moment when you started thinking about music in a way that it went beyond simply listening to it and it became this deeper thing for you? Ever since learning the guitar, I've always wanted to be a performing musician. So I started learning when I was 10 and then like I would dream about playing like Jimi Hendrix. My first guitar teacher like got me into Hendrix and I was like, okay, this is like, I started watching videos of Jimi Hendrix and I was like, that, that is what I want to do. But then before that, musically, no, I, no, I just loved, I just loved the, the music I was listening to. Just no, loved other words and like the. I I used to listen to my my dad's old CDs, so it's either like soul Motown stuff, like Marvin Gaye, Bobby Womack, um, Isaac Hayes. Uh, it was all either that stuff or his like punk CD collection, which was like the Stranglers and Iggy Pop and uh, the Clash, and then like kind of talking head stuff as well. So like, uh, and that, that would, that would have been between the ages of four and 10. Wow. When I was just listening to like my dad's music. So obviously I, I, I didn't know what I was listening to. I just loved the feeling of kind of, I suppose the contrast between like Marvin Gaye and then Iggy Pop and the fact that they were only really like, they were, they were seventies and Iggy Pop. So they weren't, you know, they, in terms of chronologically, they weren't, worlds apart but they musically they were and i think i loved the, the contrast between all this different music and how it kind of made me feel so that yeah i guess that's all i was thinking about and then when it was when i started learning guitar that i was like okay actually like the stuff that i've been listening to i maybe i could do that and then yeah i just started learning guitars learning guitar and then performing at school um when i was like i think i started i started singing in the school band when i was like 14 and that was that was something I didn't really think about. But I had my my mate was a singer in the school band, and then he like he left the school. And for me at the time, it wasn't it wasn't like ah, oh, what am I going to do? Like how am I going to sing or who's going to sing? I just kind of thought, well, someone someone's got to do it. So I just I'll just sing it, I guess. And then I just started doing that. So I never, in that sense, in terms of like being a singer, I didn't, I never really thought about it, but. I, kind of, I knew I always wanted to be a performing artist or be a musician. I think maybe that's why I don't really, I don't consider myself a singer, but I'd like to think I'm much just like an artist rather than a, a singer, a performing singer. I think now as well, singer has that kind of connotation of the X Factor thing. Well, yeah, I think that, yeah, they fucked it for us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the voice and stuff like that. Like, yeah. And, but, but also, like, I've met, a few people that were on the voice like years ago at, at jam sessions in London and stuff that I used to go to. 
and they are all like they don't they didn't they never really wrote their own music they were all they'd all do like function gigs or like covers gigs and so they were like they were just singers rather than like creating something it's a word a word line because you look at someone like you know little mix obviously came through the x factor mm. and then we're kind of in a similar position where they didn't write their own stuff but then they pick up the brit award yeah it's, like, it's, what a, it's the like you don't know fuck? you don't quite know how to frame it in your mind because on the one hand it's like yeah it's good that it's the first kind of female act winning that award but at the same time they don't write their own stuff there's Someone like Celeste, you know, for example, well, yeah, fuck it, would have yeah. been a better choice. One hundred percent. There are so many other female artists that like should have got that. But I mean, the, the Brits is like it's basically the who Bullshit. sold the most awards, isn't it? It's like yeah, who's who's got the most, the highest numbers. It's a, it's a load of shit. I say the best, the <laughs> best, uh, the, <laughs> the best awards shows at the award ceremonies out there. Like I reckon, Mercury, the Mercury Prize is the one. Like it's it's always the winner is always something controversial. It's always like they always have a weird one in there as well. Like and when I say weird, I mean they always throw one in that's slightly more standard and kind of mainstream. Which yeah, is a bit confusing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there's there's always like there's always a, a huge group of people that go, oh yeah, they definitely should have won that Mercury Prize. And then there's always a huge group of people that are like, oh, that's that was the wrong decision and stuff. But it's always like it's always music that is definitely of a thing it's not like music in its lowest common denominator that's just there to please everyone it's 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 controversial and it's subjective and it's yeah very individual voices always get nominated yeah like, exactly you know what i mean yeah 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 it's interesting that you kind of mentioned a while back the cds that you found your dad's cds that you kind of listened to and write through and it's interesting that we can still see that influence in your music today particularly with the soul stuff you still see that coming through like we're always seem to be drawn back to these childhood influences and the first thing we became attracted to. What what is that? Why do you think that is that we're always even though it was twenty years ago, you mm. still come back to that in your music today? I think that happens to me for two reasons. I think I was in I was in a band for a long time and that was like indie rock. So I felt like at that time I was just doing music that I was interested at the time. I wasn't really doing the music that I grew up on or like the music that is actually kind of ingrained in me and is the music that taught me music. So I feel like I'm doing the soul, more of a soul route now because it w- it's been suppressed for so long. But I'm quite, I'm, I'm a very nostalgic person anyway. I have temporal lobe epilepsy, which is, um, it's all memory based. So I get these kind of episodes of like really heavy deja vu or nostalgic episodes that kind of, uh, made me have a simple partial seizure or yeah it just it's like an overwhelming feeling that is either a memory or something that I think happened or may like may or may not have happened to me that kind of can either like stop me in my tracks or like make me kind of collapse so yeah I think I think memory is something that I'm always kind of drawn to and then in my music, in my songwriting, I'm always kind of taking the memory and playing on it or like making a story from an emotion that I remember or like a moment that I remember. Do you kind of just take the, would you ever translate a memory completely directly or do you kind of take inspiration from it and maybe accentuate it a little bit and twist it to make it more suitable for what you want it to say? I'd say, I'd say it's more of a taking inspiration from a memory and making it something, I don't know, making it something more interesting. 
putting a spin on it to make a good story. Like a rumor? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess that kind of brings us to Smoke Without Fire. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's, um, that was a song about people just trying shit. yeah just different rumors circulating and then obviously like just not being able to deal with it and did you feel that increasing in lockdown when we had that kind of disconnection i guess so maybe that's what like i mean yeah i haven't had to deal with like shit like that for since i was a teenager so yeah maybe (laughs) maybe everyone being locked down (laughs) made everyone regress a bit into the teenage years and just oh yeah yeah people like to gossip yeah yeah it's weird it's weird that Every now and then, I'm guilty of it. Oh yeah, did you hear what this person did last week? And then I'm it's like, a social thing, though. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. I think everyone likes to be in the know. Everyone likes to be part of the club of like knowing what's happened. But <laughs> yeah, but when it happens about you, it's just you know, it's never funny. It's just not acceptable. It's irritating. Yeah. <laughs> See the uh, the vocal sample at the start of that. You know, when you bring in the vocal with the kind of effects on it. Mm, well, the ooh ooh. ooh. It's a kind of repetition of the chorus, but in a slightly different form. Oh, yeah. Is, do, is that you, you know, treating your vocal or is that a sample? What's going on? Do you know what? That was, um, do you mean the ooze or the, I don't know what's going on, that thing. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, I was tracking the vocal for a demo version of that in, um, yeah, that was just in the shed at my girlfriend's house. And I was like, before I do a take, I, I was just kind of like, practicing that line before the song dropped in and then like get into the verse and then get into the chorus then listening back but i think because i did it quite far away from the mic so it sounded like a kind of like a room mic passing thing i thought oh actually that's quite cool like i'd like to keep that in the song so we kept that from from the demo vocal we kept that in there but i don't i don't think as far as i can remember it's not it's not massively manipulated it's just like it's just recorded in a really shitty environment that's made it sound really cool. It's fun to play around with flaws in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like I'm using like broken stuff all the time in recordings because it just it just sounds sometimes like so when you when you catch it at the right time and in the right moment, it's like okay, that's made the song. Like I did a, a tune. I was writing with uh, Benny Giles a few weeks ago. Who's done? He's a producer who's just done. Um, played a massive part in Leanne La Havis's last album as a producer. So we're like, we're working on this tune and I had this riff that I wanted to put in, in the intro and in the choruses. I was playing it on my guitar and then he, he pulled out this, this guitar that was quite similar, but it was like, it was really old. It was apparent. He was saying you can get them in what you used to be able to get them in Walmart for like $50. And, and they were like, they were these trash guitars, but now, they're like, I think like Jack White swears by them. Like he uses them all the time and now they're worth like five grand and shit like that. But so I was using that and it sounded like it sounded broken. It was like cracking and it was like the kind of the sustain on each note is, is like so inconsistent. Then listening back, you're like, yeah, that's, that sounds cool as fuck. It's the same kind of thing like shooting on film, isn't it? All these kind of slightly or VHS, these slightly distorted mediums, but there's something cool about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny how people have come back to VHS and, and, and film when it's you know, like the clarity is just not, you know, it's not like 4K or like anything like that. But there's, I think there's something, I think people will always be drawn to things in their original form or their early forms because they're, they're often a lot more hands-on and they actually require 
a lot more skill to 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 use and, and make right i guess as well the fact that it's like a practical thing it's a physical thing when everything now feels so digitized and not really present yeah want like something that's like would have been on a videotape for instance yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like physical film yeah like you can you can you can film anything on your phone and it's like and there's nothing special about that but having to you know get a camera put a tape in it get the get it right get the lighting right get the focus right and it's like would you ever have you ever recorded the tape no no i haven't i'd love to I'd love to, but um, I've never, I've never had the opportunity. I haven't had the opportunity yet. If you're recording on digital stuff, will you set down limitations like that to kind of box yourself in a little bit so that creativity can flourish? Uh, into what? What do you mean by like box, box it in? Kind of. Maybe that wasn't the right phrase, but like what we were saying about how there's a certain restriction to shooting on film, like you need mm. a certain light and you need a certain ISO, or whatever. Are there ways that you can kind of replicate that musically? Oh. Because people will be more creative with a film camera if they have restrictions. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it depends on, like, uh, I've become a lot more collaborative in, in the way that I've, I've been working recently and I've been working with a lot of different producers to get just different flares on my songs and stuff like that. So I've noticed a huge difference in like, the productivity of a day when I've had some sessions where I'm working with a producer that's like, okay, like, we're only going to use sounds from the instruments I've got in the room. So, and they'll often have like amazing keyboards and they'll have like six of them and like guitars and amps and pedals and, or, or, and like different percussive instruments and stuff like that. And all of that is like really kind of organic and it makes you think a lot more about what you're doing. And then there are other producers that kind of, it's all very much working on their, on their laptop with a MIDI keyboard and a few other bits. And it's like from there, obviously you've got, you've got an entire universe of plugins and effects and sounds and digital instruments that, that, that you can use and you can, you can do anything you want to do. And it takes a lot longer to find the right sound and find what you're looking for that way than limiting yourself to the room that you're in and, and the instruments that you have and, and focusing on the sounds you can get from those in the room. How would that actually affect the song itself? Like when you set those limitations down, what shape are you kind of taking it into the studio in? And then how does it change it once you put those restrictions in place? I think it depends. Sometimes I walk in with 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 a song like ready to go. It, especially if, if I've never worked with this producer before, I tend to walk in with a tune that I've written and be like, okay, this is the song. Like let's let's get it sounding like this other song of mine or let's get it sounding like this this tune or whatever. And then from there, if we've gone along or like, yeah, the session's gone well, then I'm like kind of open to writing from scratch with other musicians. But I kind of, I definitely prefer to just like shut myself off and, and write the skeleton of this tune myself and then focus on the instrumentation with different producers. What did the skeleton of something like concrete look like? Because that really explodes once that saxophone comes in. Was that something that was already kind of an idea that was permeating around your brain in the early stages? No, not at all. That was um, that was just chords and chords and melody. Let me try and um, I might have it as a voice note. No, uh, let me try. no. Do you know what? this is going to take me fucking ages? As well, say, how many voice notes have you got on the phone? <laughs> like, it goes back to like twenty eighteen. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and land on something. And if it's not that, then I'll just, I'll find it and I'll like, I'll send it to you if I find it. 
No, not that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, I'll find it. But yeah, that was, I I had, I had the, it was just chords and lyrics, chords and melody. And that was it. And then I sent the tune to Jeff Hazen, um, who is based in Toronto. And he was like, hey man, like, yeah, let's put some drums and some bass on this and like maybe a sax. Like, yeah, sick. <laughs> like, yeah, man. I've got, I can try my guys in London. And he was like, yeah, I'll, uh, my friend just plays sax. Like, I'll put him on a tune. And, um, and he did. It was just, fuck, it blew my head, it blew my mind. When it came in, I was like, oh, shit. How does that change the emotion of the song for you? Um, I think because I wrote the tune, it's like, I think more about how it makes me feel having that in like in my song. So I hear it and I'm like, it's like, yes. <laughs> um, but I think it definitely helped paint that image that I kind of wanted to, I wanted to have this kind of image of like, but I kind of, yeah, I wanted the Holy EP to have this kind of London nightlife feel that I guess I was missing a lot during lockdown. The way that sax comes in just paints that image of like that lonely sax player under a street light in the fog kind of thing that you could just imagine on a couple of streets in Soho. Bleeding Gums Murphy. Yeah, that that definitely paints that image. How did that function as well for something like See You Soon, where the kind of narrative of it takes on the shape, like you're saying, of this nightlife this evening, where things kind of change throughout? How did you want to replicate that sonically in the song, that narrative that you have kind of running throughout it? Well, I think that, so you have like this idea of the song, and then you, you can use different sounds to accentuate um, different lines or, or emotions. So like in the intro, you've got that la, 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 la. That's kind of like, it sounds like a bad influence. It sounds like someone going, oh, come over here, come back to us. <laughs> and then like the end of the second verse, this is your last warning. And then that siren comes in and goes, and it's like that, that for me was like, that's like a massive prang of anxiety that just comes in out of nowhere. And then there's like, yeah, you've got those gang vocals, kind of stuff. So yeah, with like, it's definitely once you've got like a solid theme and solid ideas for the song, being able to use that instrumentally to your advantage, I think can, can do wonders. And even if it's just you as an artist that knows that, like little things like that, give yourself kind of, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Are you quite a visual writer? Like what you're just saying there where you kind of, you associate every sonic change in that song with a kind of image in your mind, whether it's someone you're pulling you to the side of the, what did you use the expression for the sirens again? Like the kind of anxiety coming in. Mm, like like you prank. seem to have an image that corresponds with like every kind of shift in the song. I think it depends on the tune. I think some some songs are more visually solid than others. But when I'm writing, I like to have something visual there. Um, so I'll like, if I'll sit at home and have like a different film on, sometimes that can like change the vibe of the song. Just like, I just sit, I'm not even really watching it or listening to it. I'm just playing the guitar, but it's like, there's something just in the background that's kind of, I think it's healthy to have your, if personally, when I'm writing, I like to kind of be 70% into writing the song and 30% my brain is like kind of doing something else. It stops you getting burnt out. And it also kind of means that things happen more naturally and you're not like focused on one idea so much that you kind of, you end up working on a really shit idea 
for ages. It like keeps you open to different different sources of input. Yeah, I, I I I like to have something to watch while I'm writing. Is that kind of coming from the same idea as you're walking? Like I guess so. To focus on something off. Yeah. 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 Like that's yeah that's exactly it. Like whether I write a lot on public transport as well. So like having that kind of like people watching or like focusing on getting from A to B or I th- yeah I, I very very rarely write lyrics like finish lyrics just sat down in a room I'm, I'll always kind of write them when I'm doing something or on the go or yeah kind of half in half out what's wabi sabi as well I thought that's a philosophy you kind of take a little bit of inspiration from yeah like wabi sabi is is a Japanese concept of kind of accepting in the imperfections in everything so like wabi sabi is a huge tool used in architecture and design um i mean you wouldn't want imperfections in in a structure important <laughs> skyscraper structure yeah yeah but like in terms of like the design of a building or sculpture or room it's something that's used a lot and kind of um having things asymmetrical uh yeah asymmetry stuff like that so in terms of recordings and songs um i like to go i tend to i'm drawn to like the first takes of a vocal or like the first takes of a guitar just because that's like when the raw emotion was in there the most sometimes i i, I build up to it and i have a couple practice runs but very often it's like it's the first or second take that like may or may not be right maybe there's a bum note in there or like like the delivery on one of the words isn't quite right but if the emotion is there like i'd rather have that than have something that it's like ticks all the boxes on paper yeah so i think having that kind of concept in in songs helps keep things more human as well like there's so much i feel like there's so many songs out there that are like or like too perfect like they're pitch pitch perfect throughout and like there's not like one or like there's not a, a, a rhythmic thing going on that's like you know maybe it drags a little bit or like that i mean if you look at d'angelo for example like the the drums that he had on on all of his records are behind the beat but that's what makes it kind of stuff and it's like yeah it, it that adds an emotion to the track when it's not as an anticipation exactly and it gives you this kind of just makes you groove to it and it's like and it's things like that that are like imperfect but make the the thing what it is i wasn't familiar with what that concept was but now that you've said it we could relate it to like what you were saying about the 50 dollar walmart guitars mm. or what you were doing with the vocals at the start of smoke without fire yeah like yeah, picking yeah, up yeah. On these little moments and putting a bit of focus on them yeah exactly exactly i think and and it just keeps us more um it keeps us more human no one no one is perfect everyone can be a fucking idiot at times and it's that's i guess that's that helps with that acceptance having mistakes in there and having like happy accidents does it help with as well with the last song on the ep compared to someone else this idea of self of constantly comparing yourself and how damaging that can be Hmm. is that less of a problem once you accept mistakes and kind of find the beauty in them i guess so but i think i'm kind of it's also a song written in a headspace of like kind of i i think i definitely care or cared what people think a lot more than i should have and that's so that was that kind of like worrying about what people think about you too much and like 
and even that 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 song itself i spent ages kind of wrestling with the vocal in my head because i'm not i'm still not 100 percent on the vocals in like like my take on that like i can hear like a mistake here and there and then i'm like no that's that adds to the kind of the um the vulnerability of the kind of the the lead point of view for that song it helps the whole thing feel much more vulnerable and it adds to the emotion of the song and the, the kind of there's a worry in there because the vocals are a bit shaky at points and it's like it sounds really innocent even if it's not 100% pitch perfect uh, it comes back to we could look at what you were saying about you know an architecture with Wabi Sabi the structure needs to be there and it needs to be able to stand up as a building and function mm. but you can have these little imperfections that make it more interesting mm. like you could look at that in terms of the balance of what you need in a song as you can't throw in too many mistakes but it's if you just do it slightly it can improve it and strengthen it mm. but that i think that's the difference like that's where you you have the boundaries between songwriting and production is like you have the, the structure or the skeleton of any song is is how good it is if someone were to just play it on a guitar and sing it or play it on a piano and sing it and if it's a good song it will stand on its own and 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 you'll still have people singing it back to you and like or people remembering the song or if it's if it's a strong song and then all the production and other stuff comes after that all the other layers all the like drums bass horns like afterthought um but the the having that original structure and the original the bare bones of the song having them as strong as they can be is like is in my opinion the most important with what you were saying as well about maybe once upon a time caring too much about what people thought of you is that what drew you to the sean scully monologue on the last ep and him kind of speaking out against self-doubt yeah i think that that was i mean i i go i go through those stages on and off like anyone does like you do you just have these times where you're like ah, am i doing the right thing have i like <laughs> made the right life choices and shit like that but like and i think that's another you know that's we're all fucking human yeah there's definitely there's definitely a link between those two songs and this the scully intro and um and compared to someone else yeah at what point after you heard that monologue did you notice the musicality of his voice is that something you pick up on straight away or is it something that comes with time no that was kind of that i i heard his voice in that documentary and um i just like none of my mates are particularly into sean scully or had heard of him really even though he's kind of been around for ages i just wanted people to hear what he had to say so I, I heard him say it and recorded it. I started writing this this thing in the studio that was just that dun, 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 that, that chord sequence, and I didn't really have. I knew that the chord sequence was a bit like a bit obscure to have as a song song with like in a proper structure. But I really loved the way it just revolved around in itself. So I got uh, Misha and Lawrence in to um, come and do the horns and stuff. And then um, knowing that that was kind of an instrumental thing, I thought, okay, well, how about, it? how about having it as like an intro and having Sean Scully on there? And then I kind of wrote that little verse at the end that's like an interpretation of, of, of the message that, that, he, uh, that he was saying. How does Bukowski influence you as well? But we're talking about artists that kind of inspire you. All of, all, a lot of those writers, like, 
Bukowski was a little bit earlier, obviously, than than the rest of the beat generation and Kerouac and stuff. But I think I've I've I had a, I've discovered an interest in them because they just made me care less about care less about what people think and care less about um, you know having a solid income and having security around you and actually just focusing on things that you want to do and focus on your art and focus on being creative and focus on like they're all so much in the now in the present like they're not none of their books are really i mean they're all semi-autobiographical literally but they're not in terms of the writings themselves they're not that reflective they're very much like now i'm working here and now i'm getting pissed now i'm doing this do you know what i mean it's like it's very in the present and i think that's that's what i liked about bukowski and that's what i like about other um beat generation writers is it's kind of it like like headspace it puts you it puts it brings you back in the room and it puts you in the now but i, I find it kind of helps me focus on the now and like not care about other it makes me care about the right things and stop caring about shit that doesn't matter hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. <laughs> 